three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking that trip. And you can get the discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD. P-O-D. We're back! Lads, how are you? Great, how are you? I'm I'm feeling really really good. I can't wait for the second half of the show where we have to talk about Jeff Petrie calling out Don Bouchard. <laughs> anyway, before that though, first segment of the show, we're going to talk about Formula One as we said before. We've been teasing the episode and the guest returning. Thank you for being here, Laura Kuypers. How are you? Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you guys? I think we're doing fine everyone's i think alex you're done yeah. all your school stuff now right yeah yeah so i'm so doing we're absolutely nothing yeah um, i just finished work at five <laughs> <laughs> i'll just waiting to see if the nhl is about to shut down but yeah. mm-hmm. i'm not going to talk about that first off do you guys know what today marks as an anniversary a little bit of surprise here anyone know what happened on this day a few years ago um Happened in 2015. Ago. Okay. What for? What team? I, I can't say the team because you would probably guess because I mentioned it before. On this day in 2015, Anaheim Lakes Carey Price won the Lou Marsh Trophy, oh, the oh. only goalie to ever do so, and the first hockey player since Sidney Crosby to do it. Congrats, see, he was, uh, yeah, he was skating today and taking shots from Paul Byron, so that was good to see. I saw this, and the stars have aligned so well having you on, Laura, like to, to like to mention that because obviously you're a big Carey Price fan, as it seems like all of us are. Yeah, we're not going to mention. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying, who isn't? We're all Carey Price fans, right? Especially, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, oh, I don't yeah. know about how Alex feels about him right now after the playoffs, but you know, I'm okay. Yeah, I'll survive. I- I'll try not to talk too much trash, Alex, because we all know how the season's going for Montreal. No, it's okay. <laughs> I can take it. Okay. Beside that, though, Formula One. It's fun. It's fun. Um, the season finale just happened on Sunday. Uh, it was a pretty eventful race. 
Uh, we're going to give some context just for those of you who may not know. So first off, uh, Abu Dhabi was the season finale. Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton, because he got knighted today. Mm-hmm. Um, and Max Verstappen come into the final race. They're level on points. Saturday, it's qualifying. That's what sets the grid for the Sunday, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, Max Verstappen gets pulled, but Lewis Hamilton, the great start. Uh, around turn six, it was a bit controversial, but we won't talk about that. Um, but for the rest of the race, Lewis dominates. At one point, had a, I think it was a 10-second lead. Uh, but it all went down once Nicholas Latifi went out and crashed our Canadian boy, and everything sort of picked up from there. So I think before we sort of dive into the controversy itself, going into the race, Lara, how did you see it probably going? Because as we know, the season it looked like Mercedes was on the back foot the whole way, but then those last few races starting in Brazil, Lewis Hamilton does what he always does and just started heating up as the pressure mounted. Yeah, I I honestly thought it was like Max was going to be all over it I just like I don't know if it was a gut feeling or what but I just felt like he's the type of he seems to me like the type of person who works best under the more pressure he's under and I think he was under the most pressure of his career obviously um going into it and so I felt like we were gonna see the best max we've ever seen um not sure that's necessarily what happened, but I really thought, um, he, I, I like my theoretical money was like all on Verstappen going into the race. I just felt like he was going to pull out any moves he could and was gonna like claw his way to the finish line. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it was it was funny because during that, like all the gaps that Lewis had, you know, obviously Max was pitted at, at one point to get the fresher tires and all that. You really felt like it was, I, I, I can't remember exactly, I think it was the first race of the year actually, where it was sort of the reverse happened where Lewis was pitted to chase down Max. It happens and funny enough, how many times this year was there an overtake for the lead and then it was like, oh, you got to give the position back. Um, but obviously it all sort of went down later on. Uh, Alex. Yeah. You're a big Formula One guy as well. You got Daniel and I into it. How did you see it going? Because it really did feel like Lewis at the time at least had all the momentum. Yeah, I think I think he did. And I think Laura made a good point about him being under pressure and Max thriving under pressure. Um, that new engine they got in Brazil clearly did wonders for them. Um, and I just think, man, that whole... <laughs> Man, it was such a bush league. It was, I know Adam will get to it, but that was just such a bush league. What happened the last race? I mean, it happened the race before too. Like, I don't know how many races it's actually happened where the FIA says one thing, does another thing, or, you know, we have the set of rules and I just, it feels like we're sitting here not knowing what the FIA is. It's, It's like, man, it's ridiculous. I kind of feel bad. I feel bad for both drivers because at the end of the day, they're both getting, they're both getting screwed because now Lewis is out of an eighth championship and Max, everyone saying his first championship is tarnished. And, And I think Max has done his absolute best driving this year, considering, I mean, you can say what you want about the car, but for the last how many years, no one was close to Mercedes. No one was close to Mercedes. And so for it to go into the final race tied on points and it end the way it did was just, it, it was Bush league in my opinion. 
we'll, we'll get to the FIA and some of the follow-up because I think there's some there's actually been a bit of update in regards to Mercedes's uh, protest. But um, yeah, might as well bring it up now. So what happens? Lap 54, the safety car comes out. Uh, this is the full safety car, not the virtual one. Uh, after Nicholas Latifi completely bends it, uh, typical. Uh, and initially, uh, the stewards decided that cars were not allowed to unlap themselves. So there, were, I think it was at the time, there were five cars between Lewis and Max. I think it was. Now, it took until, for some reason, I think it was on lap 57, that all of a sudden the stewards had changed their minds and they allowed cars to unlap themselves. Now, the problem is that only five cars actually did not everyone on the field and that going into the final lap of the race gave max the perfect opportunity to attack lewis the gap is closed and he's on the fresher tires uh, i have the actual sort of layout of the rules i'll get it up in a second here but laura i guess you're right i actually i, I texted you before the race i was like who do you think's gonna win you were right on max there so when you started seriously yeah, when you started to see, you know, the winds had changed started going there and Lewis actually was in within striking distance. Uh, how was that like watching? Were the, was the heart beating? Were the nerves starting to mount up there for you? Well, so I'll just quickly say this. I actually watched the race at like 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, because I had to work 9 to 4 that day. Um, so <laughs> I had quite a delayed like watch and somehow made it through my entire retail shift without getting spoiled. I deleted pretty much every app on my phone that gave me notifications, kept my phone turned off until I got home and finished the race. Um, and a few people I worked with had watched the race before they came into work and they were like, make sure you don't get spoiled. <laughs> like this is not a race. You want to know the outcome. Um, so when I, was watching the race it was already like so much had happened at that point that was um so chaotic and so unexpected for um the final race that I kind of thought people saying to me you like make sure you don't get spoiled like the bulk of what I wouldn't want to be spoiled about had already happened mm -hmm. I kind of thought like the chaos like had reached its point and then when I realized that like when when you hear Christian Horner on the radio say we're gonna need a miracle and then you start seeing like as if on cue like a Disney coming of age movie <laughs> mm -hmm. that literally the, you start watching it's like in slow motion the miracle starting to get into motion and it felt like to me it felt like a coming of age movie like it just felt like it at that point it was like destined to happen the mm -hmm. second somehow max was within striking distance i felt like it was just like you just knew he was gonna do it because mm -hmm. it felt like there was no way it would end any other way whether that's the right way it should have ended or not i'm not so sure but it definitely felt like the second i realized he physically would be able to get by him it felt like of course he was it was a great move to actually get by Lewis. I'm like, listen, I'll be transparent. I was rooting for Lewis all the way. Like, I, I'm a big Lewis fan, so I was a little grumpy about it. Um, but so the rule that Mercedes initially protested was uh, 48.12, uh, Article 48, Subsection 12. Uh, and that is the of any cars that have been lapped by the leader will be required to pass the cars on the lead lap 
and the safety car. So the rule dictates also, if you look into it, that every car needs to unlap themselves. And I believe it was a lot of the back markers. Like, I don't think initially, no, it wasn't Schumacher because I'm pretty sure he was already out the race. Or am I thinking of? No, he was when we hit Latifi. Um, again, not every car did. And the way it works under the regulations is once everyone has unlapped, the following lap is when the safety car goes in. So if anyone's counting the laps there, anyone listening, technically the last lap of the race, if they had followed the regulations of all of a sudden saying, okay, now you can unlap after like four laps under the safety car, the championship would have been decided last lap safety car, Lewis gets an eighth world title. So Michael Massey binned it. He, he, I think my thing was he kind of kicked the integrity of the race right between the legs because he just sort of, he, he rolled like, so remember earlier in the race, there was the virtual safety car, right? And Toto was on the radio saying, no, no, no safety car, Michael. We can't do this. And then it doesn't happen. And then there's Christian Horner and Red Bull saying, this is outrageous. We need to let, it's like the stress of, or I was like the pressure from the teams, sort of like actually pressured Michael Massey to make his changes. And Alex, what's the joke you made? Like the, the the same thing with NHL officials is that we're letting the referees dick around with the rules and they are what dictating the result at the end yeah, of the they, day and not the athletes themselves. They don't want to, they say they don't want to influence the game, but they're clearly influencing the game by not influencing the game. So why yep. not just call the rules by the rules? That's a good question, isn't it? Daniel, you've been you've been quiet. I haven't thrown it to you here. First off, you must be really happy hearing Alex Albon celebrate with Max on the radio. I know that's Yes, I love that. Um, but you know, for me, I was always a big Max Verstappen fan. So um before this one, I thought that the writing was on the wall that he's finally gonna unseat Lewis, at least for this year. And I don't know, it's just it's same thing kind of lore with like what she said. It's just it's not as gratifying as I thought it would be that I wanted the clear cut, you know, win. And then like Lewis acknowledges that, yeah, this was something that happened that there wasn't any controversy there, but to see it be like, this is just, I know that we're going to have a bit more of information to see what goes on now, or how is this actually going to be viewed moving forward? But for now it's just, it's, I'm in that position now. It's kind of odd for me because I've been a huge Red Bull fan. I've been a big Max fan for the past two years, and I really wanted him to get it, but just not without the controversy. I'm surprised to hear you say that because, well, Christian Horner was celebrating hard enough. I can't stand mm-hmm. that. Um, we're going to look at maybe some some other teams and individual drivers. Like I, I really want to give time to Kimi later on. Same with Giovinazzi, my guy. Um, so... Where it's going from here. So, again, right after the race, Mercedes protested two rules. One was to do with the safety car and unlapping. The other was uh, accusing Max of trying to overtake under the safety car, which he just didn't do. He was just he think he was just eager to go, um, like we all were. Um, so, the FIA threw out both appeals. Okay. Um, Mercedes then announced they were going to appeal it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Now, apparently, the Daily Mail have reported that their protest will not be heard in front of the CAS. So their last option apparently is an FIA panel at the International Court of Appeal in Paris. On top of that, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was like an hour or two ago, the FIA put a statement out saying they standed very much with the race directors. So I'm, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is 
being put. And what was it like the championship showcase or something? Mercedes didn't send any of their Formula E or their Formula One cars, I think. So uh, they're not happy. They're not because like, let's be honest here. Max deserved to win the title based on the year. But if we're going with race by race and then sort of how it all culminated, Lewis should have won, right? Can we agree with that? Yeah, yeah, based on the last race, he should have won the championship. Based on and, the rules. Yeah, based on the rules. I think because the thing is, I see quite a few people picking sides in terms of like, you know, the FIA is picking sides. I, I just I don't see the consistency in that. Like, I think we can get there's how many races this year? 22. Um, if we go through each race, the FIA made questionable decisions in plenty of them and I think they leaned both ways. I saw the theory out there, which I actually thought was more realistic than anything, that they're taking the side of Netflix. <laughs> like, it, it, like it just that's the most realistic one. I don't think I can sit here and say that they're siding with one team. Like the the radio calls are quite evident of that. Like they're quite fair, clearly favoring both teams. Like the fact that Toto goes no safety car and magically no safety car. Like my opinion, Michael Massey cannot come back this year or next year. Sorry. Like that was embarrassing. That, that in those two incidents last race alone were embarrassing enough. Uh, Before we move on, just one thing I'd like to add is I didn't know there was that many levels of appeal. To be oh, honest, there's when a, they came to this. So there's also when I think it was the the wet was it Belgium this year, where for Spa where they gave out the half points because they couldn't um, start the race. Yeah, that was so annoying to watch live, by the way. Um, and yeah, I remember. So there was a thing where Mercedes protest that in a Belgium court, but it was thrown out. Um, yeah. So there there is, but yeah, no, there's a. It's shocking. It's very, very shocking. Laura, I want to get your sort of thing on the rule or like the FIA quote playing favorites there. And how do you think about this? Because I'm pretty sure now they've said that the team radio during the race, I think they're taking it away because obviously there's a lot of shenanigans. What's your take on all that? Yeah. So actually, I remember I I called my dad like the second I finished the race because I was like, well, I called like everyone in my family that watches it just being like, I need someone to talk about it because I'm watching. I can't talk about it online because everybody's watched it 10 hours ago. Um, but the first thing I remember saying is I just find it specifically the um, the radio clips during the race of the team principals talking to Michael Massey. What really struck me is just odd is just t- like not even looking at it from a viewer perspective um, but just looking at it from like a marketing business perspective, I find it really odd that Formula One and the FIA all agreed to put these radio messages out there and live during the race, because I honestly just thought it, think it makes all parties involved look bad because you have Toto Wolf going on the radio saying, don't bring out a safety car because obviously for their race, it wouldn't have helped them. But the safety car isn't put out to affect the race. It's put out for safety. So you have the team principal yell, yelling, don't do this, it'll be bad for our race, and not necessarily worried about the fact that somebody's just crashed their car mm-hmm. and might not be okay. And then likewise, you have Michael Massey looking like he has no clue what he's doing and kind of like just 
it's chaotic and he's not sure and he's changing his mind. And I just feel like it makes all parties look bad because you kind of see the, the sneaky sort of more slimy behind the scenes stuff that I feel like kind of takes away the, the level I was saying, I was, I, when I told my dad this, I said, it's like the saying, um, never meet your heroes because mm-hmm. they're not going to like stand up in person. Cause they're probably a normal person. Um, and not the hero you see on TV. Um, and I felt like it's like that. Like, I feel like it's like seeing those clips is like meeting your, meeting a hero in real life. And it's like, I don't need to know about this side of the race person. Like, I think from a marketing standpoint, from a viewer standpoint, it's so exciting and it adds so much, but just from like a marketing standpoint, it kind of just made me feel like I didn't enjoy it personally. Um, cause it felt like kind of like, this isn't what the race is about. Um, I understand it goes on, but yeah, just like viewing it felt weird. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything too, about like, nobody wants to see the race end and like go on with all this appeals too. It mm-hmm. feels like it's been what, like three days and somehow we're still not like, I feel like I'm already worried about next season. Like it feels like we've moved on. I know Toto's even congratulated Max. So it's kind of like, how can you congratulate him? But then also be like, but we're trying to take it away from you. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's like, it's one of those, like it's done. It's clearly done. And like, we should all maybe like move on, you know? Yeah. I think it's what they have a deadline. I think for the last appeal, it's, I think it's like the end of the month or something, but I mean, maybe that that congratulatory text is like, okay, we're we're giving it here. It is a, also kind of crappy where it's like, okay, so we're going to appeal a decision by the FIA to the FIA. Okay, it's like it's like when wow, Spetsa Ring, yeah, he's arb- he's he's talking to Gary Bettman, the guy who employs George Peros. In what world is Gary Bettman going to? slash down Jason Spezza's suspension. Like zero. I guarantee like almost guarantee it. And the appeal was yesterday, wasn't it? And they put in yeah, it was a while ago. It was a it was yes yeah, the appeal was yesterday finally. Yeah. So and and when did Spezza originally it was like the day the suspension anyway Sunday. We'll, we'll talk about hockey yeah. later. Um just one thing for the hockey thing. I just Alex mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast when he's like, you know, the rules are not consistent. We have a rule book and they're not following it. And then he didn't chime in and say the NHL though. So I had to just add that in. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's frustrating. Uh, but a note on Max. Good for him. Listen, wasn't cheering for him. Don't want him to win another title. Like bias. I'll put it right there. Um, but man, he, I was looking at someone posted all his results I want to say there was a ninth place in there. For, I don't remember where it was. And then it was either like two or three DNFs. Remember one of them was that Pirelli tire failure. And then everything else was just first, second. I think he, he broke the most podiums in the season record. I mean, what a season by Max Lara. Like, start to finish. Yeah. Feels like he, like, just, like, was on another level this season. Like, unlike, and I think... To be honest, I think a big part of that is Checo's influence. I think just being able um, to make the hockey connection, um, 
people often say having a good goalie in your net makes a world of a difference for a team because they don't have to worry about shots on net because mm-hmm. they're confident in their goalie. And I feel like Checo was like the equivalent of a good goaltender because I feel like Max was able to make the aggressive moves. The team was able to strategize the aggressive ways they wanted to because check they knew they could rely on Checo. And I think that really allowed Max to just like turn on his game to a whole nother level than we've ever seen. Cause he's not worrying about the fact that he's got to worry about two Mercedes against just him this season. It felt like it was all square. And if anything, I know Checo finished behind Bottas and the standings, but I think a lot of that could, you could argue is due to the fact that Bottas has been driving Mercedes a lot longer than Checo has been driving in the Red Bull. And mm-hmm. the fact that it, I think, a lot of people do feel that the Mercedes just car was better this year. Um, so I think the fact that he had Checo um, really allowed us to see like a whole new level of Max's driving abilities. Checo, I wonder also if his standings was almost like a, he was almost like a sacrificial lamb. Like I'm sure he understood it, but like how at like in Abu Dhabi, it's like you have to retire. He's like, wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I wonder if it was just they were preparing for there to be one less car in Max's way. But like I, I wonder, and I, I, I haven't looked specifically at the times, but obviously there was that great defense from Checo. Lewis got by him, but he he took out five seconds. I, I'd like to know if at one point those five seconds would have made the difference for Lewis to pit again and get like another set of medium or softs off. I, I wondered that, um, but yeah, you know, Checo was, I remember early in the season, we were pretty critical of him a lot, but. He struggled uh, halfway through. It was weird because you expected him to struggle at the beginning, but he was he was pretty good, was he not at the beginning? Or am I, I forgetting? Couldn't, couldn't tell you. Well, the Red Bull period were just so good to start, oh, but. Right. Tapered off a bit, yeah. They're on the middle, midway point. Yeah. Right. All right, I'm. Just quickly, um, because Laura, you're very, very, very generous with your time. How about, how about this? We very quickly just go through um, the driver standings and the contract, con- constructor standings. Um, we're not going to completely rip off WTF1 and be like A star and B, but we're going to be something sort of like that. Okay, first off, what is it? Their eighth straight constructor's title? I don't think anyone cared at the end of the day. Uh, Mercedes again. Decent job. I think there were a bit of strategy questions throughout the year sometimes with Lewis being overcut, undercut, and that, but say a pretty fair good year for Mercedes, right? Pretty yeah. all right. I feel like they're a well-oiled machine, no pun intended. What was that that line from Drive to Survive where to- they're talking to Toto? I think it's the I think it's the the Germany episode. And he's just like, it's like war planning. We must crush them. And he like he says crush them. And it's like a meeting with all the staff. <laughs> he's really like the evil empire. Toto's great. Um, second place, it's Red Bull. They don't care because they got the title, but pretty good. They fu- they finally closed the gap. And it's good to see Honda leave the sport with the world title, eh? Right. I yeah, forgot. Definitely. I forgot about that. Yeah, Let no, I was kind of sad about that. Yeah, but you know, they'll they'll leave. You know, without them, I don't know if Yuki's in the sport, right? Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, Yuki's there at least. Yeah, well, uh, Laura, when we started watching F one because of Alex, I liked Red Bull because when they showed Alex Albon in his daily life, he was driving a Honda Civic Type R. So I'm like, okay, that's my team. <laughs> 
And I wonder who's going to do it Williams next year. Anyway, uh, moving on. P3. Okay, it is. I was about to question. I thought it was. I thought it was Ferrari. Okay, yes. Yeah. Vamos, Laura. Just talk about Carlos Sainz. Like, just completely. I'm not going to say anything because I know you love him. Yeah, I will gladly talk about Carlos. Um, first of all, great thing about Carlos Sainz, he's a huge golf guy. So, love that. Like Ricky Fowler was right there commenting, like congratulating him on Instagram. Um, yeah, uh, love Carlos. I. I think he, I think this was a really important season for him. And I think it was really cool because so many people won when he signed for Ferrari were saying that it was such a stupid decision and that he was going to regret it because Ferrari did not do great last season. Mm -hmm. And I think finishing ahead of McLaren was just absolutely massive for him because I think he probably even at times, especially maybe towards more the beginning of the season, season doubted um making that switch and so i think he definitely i think probably both parties have reinstated confidence within that decision that came during a very odd time where there was kind of like no season going or like the season was quiet mm-hmm. um but i think another the other big thing for carlos was so many people said he only looked good at mclaren because he was driving next to lando who was a new driver and that uh, Char would just make him look like terrible and then he came out ahead of him which is it feels like to be honest it felt very fitting I thought he had the better season I definitely think Leclerc had a lot of bad luck this season um, and I think he just it wasn't his best season and like you're allowed to have off seasons and I think this was his off season but I think Carlos really showed that he is probably the most underrated driver on the grid. So I was very happy that he, that, and him, I was watching, I always usually watch him during the race, like on the side, cause they never really show him, but <laughs> I'm always watching his times. And I was watching him on Sunday and I was like, it's always sneaky, the person in fourth, cause you never know what's going to happen. And that person in fourth, the whole race might just sneak into a podium. So the whole time I was watching, just being like, What's going to happen? I kept thinking like maybe um, like I think Checo was ahead of him at one point, like maybe something's going to happen to Checo. And it, I think that was the it was I think it was Checo um, having to retire that might have put him ahead. I might be wrong, but I remember just watching the whole time. And then when seeing him at the end go into that third spot and realize he was going to podium and that was what put him ahead was very exciting. <laughs> Everyone was like, ah, there you go, Max. And Lar was just like, smooth. <laughs> I really was. It was cool that he did on the Ferrari radio. Like, Ferrari yeah. are normally such, like, stiff boards. And then when, when his engineer was like, you're a smooth what? It was so <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, by the way, he needs, he's like, um, he's kind of like a, a more, like a premium Hulkenberg now that he has all these podiums, but he just needs a race win now. Like, he must kind of hate Monza because he was so close last year. And then this season, he sees the guy who got his seat win. And speaking of that seat, it's McLaren who started off so well, but they just disappeared. And I'm, listen, Ricardo could have been better, but we forgive him because we all like Danny Rick. But uh, Alex, you're the McLaren fan of us all. So go ahead, my man. They started so well. It was, you know what it was? I don't know. Uh what it is, but I feel like 
And and I think Mike would say the same thing as a former Leafs fan. Uh, any team you follow will just start well and then fall off completely, which it feels like exactly what happened to McLaren, right? They started so well, or especially Lando. Lando started, I, I think, fantastically. Again, Danny Rick. I, I feel so bad for him because, you know, he was going to join McLaren a few years ago or went to Renault instead. And now he comes and it's just not the same. It feels like it's not the same Danny Rick. Um, but again, like we'll see what next year's like, like with the regulation changes, I guess yeah, a lot can change in that midfield, but mm. it was unfortunate that they fell off again. <sighs> Alpine and Fernando is back and he is somehow better than ever. And it's hilarious. Anyone, anyone like oh, Fernando? No, I, I mean, like, I mean, I got into McLaren because of Fernando Alonso. So now I guess I should talk about, it. no, he surprisingly, like we've seen it in the past, a couple guys come back and it doesn't work out as well. I mean, like, I guess the prime example is Michael Schumacher coming back and driving for Mercedes. I mean, he did do a lot outside of the actual racing that clearly helped. He but- won O'Connor race. Like single-handedly won Oak when he held off yeah. Lewis. But again, like I think with Alonzo, he's done so well. And it's just surprising, I think. You know, respect for Fernando. No respect. Did you hear his ra- his uh radio when he found out they weren't gonna be able to uh to pass when they when they first weren't allowed to pass and he just laughs and goes, Of course. <laughs> he yeah, has he been knows. flipping off the FIA all year. Remember when he was like him and Kimmy, I forget which race it was, it may have been Brazil, but when like him and Kimmy just kept going off the course to overtake and he did it to Kimmy, he's just like, Yes, because he knew he had to give it back, but he was just like, I don't care. The man gives zero like we can't swear, but he is so jokes. And Esteban won a race. Good, good, good. And Cyril got the tattoo. He's not there anymore, but he got the tattoo. Which race was it where he just completely got went off track to overtake and did not get the penalty? Was it Sochi? Was it the opening lap of Sochi? I I don't remember, but it was so funny because he said he was going to do it. Yo, yeah, no, he He's did. like, I'm going to do it. And he did it. And no one expected it. Because he just doesn't care. Um, Alphatari. Suyuki Sonoda, that quiet fourth place, by the way. And Pierre, get out of there, man. You're so good, but you're never getting that seat. My poor guy, Pierre. It hurts. It hurts. Did he push? You push, Pierre. Push. Yeah, more than he more than he ever has, my, my friend Pierre. Um, disappointing team of the year, Aston Martin. Not to, oh God, I, I cannot stand Lance Stroll. I cannot stand the man. Was it Russia where he just hit Vettel into the wall? And there's that picture after the race when, like, they're talking to Lawrence. And, like, Vettel's clearly probably losing it. And Lawrence is like, I don't care. It's my son. He's stuck here. It's just an overtaker of the year. Hopefully he got his jelly beans. But uh, Aston Martin, what happened? Yeah, they they were underwhelming, to say the least. Mm -hmm. I thought also, I thought it was interesting though. I was looking at the driver standings and I'm pretty sure um, they finished back to back in the driver standings. There was still like a bit of a point difference, but I found that interesting because it felt like watching Lance versus Seb was like a world of a difference. So I was kind of surprised to see that there wasn't a bigger gap in the standings between the two of them. You know why, Laura? 
Because remember, I think it was, didn't Seb have a P2, but he was disqualified because of his fuel or something? That may be why. I forget which race it was. It may have been a wet one. But, you know what, Alex, I forgot. We can't do it. We're already late. But I wanted to ask you about that Russian race when Lando, like in his tire anyway. Anyway, I just, yeah. But I think that's maybe what happened to Seb. But poor guy. I just, uh, I just want him on a good car again. From He's zero another points. Guy. Sorry. He's another guy like Alonzo who does not care anymore. Sebastian? Yeah. Oh, he's so jokes. Yeah, I think we're getting to that point. Very close. We're very close to it. I feel like the only thing he cares about is getting to hang out with Mick. I feel like that's why he's still an actor. Yeah. It's adorable. It's adorable. Um, If only Haas were good, uh, but we're going to get to them in a second. First off, I don't think they scored points for like three years. Williams up to 23, though. Let's go. Albon in. Daniel, how do you feel about it? I'm excited. He's back. Uh, we 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 predicted this. Remember, it's like he's gone, and like we're like he will return soon. So I'm really happy that it's it's the underdog story that will continue, right? Williams, Alex Albon, return just, of the Jedi. It was meant to be. Legit, they they are return of the Jedi, right? You know, once they were this great empire, they fell apart with from within, and then they're back on the rise. Um, goodbye, George, though. Um, and I will never forgive Nick Latifi. I never will for that crash. Wow. So um, cheap for the Canadians. Well, okay, Daniel, okay, Lance isn't good. He can't be. He's not good. And Latifi, well, he's not good either, to be honest. Yeah, anyway, no, he's not good. Anyway, um, <laughs> That's not Alfa Romeo, Alfa Romeo, complete new driver lineup next year. It is such a shame that both Antonio and Kimi had to go. Okay. Did you guys, I said this to you two before we started, but Laura, did you see what Alfa Romeo gave to Kimmy today? I did. Kimmy, you have, so I'm guessing that's the actual drink system and they gave it to him. That's hilarious. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And they had like the little plaque that said, Kimmy, you will have the drink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's great. And then poor poor Antonio though. I'll miss you, man. Antonio is that guy that like you like as a driver, even though he's kind of bad but you're like ah he had one good race and then he crashes and you're yep. like ah we'll ignore it but yeah. he showed up when his job was on the line yeah he's like pierre engvall isn't yeah, he uh, yes that's exactly yeah, where so i was he tries go. at the very that end exactly where i was gonna go mm-hmm. <laughs> and haas who have a draw who has a driver that was 21st in a 20 man system because kubitsa somehow did better than him um we just like mick really we're just it's it's it were, it's really just like okay Mick you just stay there until Carlos leaves Ferrari and then you'll be with Charles really they're awful yeah and Mazepin <laughs> sucks right like is there is there anything else to say I, yeah no. I thought something I thought was like kind of like interesting was that like obviously Mazepin did not race in the final race and like you wouldn't have even noticed like, I just you just reminded me yeah. Because he probably would have been out too by the end of the race. Like, yeah, probably. Bad. I mean, he just would have been a distraction. He wouldn't have moved for blue flags. The guy's just a mess. All right, looking to next year, uh, has say the same, stayed the same. Sorry. Obviously, Valtteri's going over the Alpha. Uh, I'm not going to say it right. Guang Yun Joan. I why I know how to say it, but it's just one of those words. Remember, how I couldn't say um, this. God damn it, Massachusetts. I can't say it. Or preliminary. Preliminary. Ah, it's embarrassing. You think after like 200 episodes of the podcast, I could, you know, pronounce words. 
Um, but they'll be fun to see next year. Uh, Williams, obviously, it's Latifi and Albon. Uh, Alphatari stays the same. So sorry, Pierre. Alpine's the same. McLaren's the same. Uh, Ferrari is obviously staying the same. Same in Red Bull. But George to Mercedes, we've all been waiting for it. Um, we'll end with them. And see, you know what? Actually, Laura, you watched the Great, uh, the Great Cup, didn't you? I did. So were you rooting for Winnipeg from the start, or are you just happy they won? Because I saw you tweet about it. Yeah, so I was actually born in Winnipeg. Really? Oh. My dad was a sportscaster in Winnipeg. Okay. So he has a lot of, like, friends who work for both the Jets and the Blue Bombers. Okay. So I've just, like, when it comes to the CFL, I've just always been, like, a very low-key Blue Bombers fan, so... I'm happy you didn't listen to an episode or two ago because we went on a tirade and really ripped apart Winnipeg. <laughs> the, team, the team. The team. Yeah, the yes. team. Yeah, yeah. I did, Just I Logan did. Stanley. Yeah, Logan Stanley, Mark, yeah, Mark Shifley, Shifley, that loser. Blake Wheeler. Absolutely. Okay, you we're know, going back to it again. Earlier, earlier, Laura mentioned the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. I remember the, the, the two games I went to, for one of them, like, I guess there was like a sports check or something right outside the ACC. Yeah. And I remember there was like people were being like, ah, oh, come in. It's like Shifley's going to do a puck signing, right? But he was late. So I'm like, oh, I'm just not going to bother, right? And all these years later, I'm happy because I would, I probably would have thrown it out after what he did. Bush League. But I, I did support the Bombers. Okay. I was team. Okay. But I was wondering about that. Okay. Cool. It's actually kind of like random small world thing. Yeah. Um, I played soccer with uh orlando steinauer's daughter growing up and he's the head coach of the tie cats so it's like a oh. really weird small world thing i guess how did you how'd you end up in like on going to school in ontario or have you like is it just for ryerson you moved over or no so i moved i moved to oakville um which is like 30 minutes outside of toronto depending on traffic <laughs> um when I was like five, uh, because my parents just moved for work. I'm happy that in the same year that the Habs lost in the finals, at least you got that. Because in the same year, it was it was it was such a it feels like such a I've hated this year. Obviously Montreal's the one that really matters, but it was like Montreal lose and like I'm still not over it. I watch Lekanen's goal every week and I'm not exaggerating. England gets knocked out in the finals of the Euros in in, in penalties like the By Alex, game. yes. And then, yeah. and yeah, and Mike just bragging about it. And then it's like Lewis gets just done so dirty. I hate sports this mm-hmm. year. Not to mention just how awful the halves are. Um, last thing, Lara. I didn't want to bring it up with you, but I just, do you have a few words for the halves? Do you just want to air your disappointment? No comment. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> Lara, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, joy to talk to you as always. Um, and who knows what happens next year for Formula One, but hopefully we can get you back on to talk about it. Um, we will be back in a second. We're going to talk about COVID ravaging the NHL. It's getting bad. Uh, we're going to talk about Jeff Petrie. We're going to talk about the Oilers because they're starting to look bad. Uh, amongst other things, Olympic concerns and all that in a second. Gentlemen. 
Yeah. We continue with the podcast. We're going to hockey again. Laura, thank you very much for coming on. Um, always great. We'll link all her social media stuff in the thingy where Alex will because he does all the hard work. In the thingy. Uh, yeah, in the, thingy. the description. In yes. the thingy. In the thingy. <laughs> you listen thingy. to podcasts. You know how this works, in people. In the thingy, majiggy. In the, in the, that's, you know, my grandparents sometimes listen, so I don't know if they would. Description. <laughs> in the thingy, I don't think Jimothy. they have Twitter, though, so. What? Jimothy. 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 Yeah. What? Jimothy Timothy. Jimothy. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where we are. Um, like how I am losing track of what's happening with COVID because I think while we were Everybody is. Like, I, I like legit, I think like coming out, something Friedman retweeted something from an hour ago is that a bunch of Panthers are now on COVID, um, on COVID, not really, but COVID, um, like Proto- um, protocol. Protocol. Yeah. protocol list. Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, yes. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I'm just going to say there is Nashville, Carolina, Boston, Vancouver. Breaking news as well with the Marlies. One player tested positive while another four players are isolating. This was 15 seconds ago. It's insane. And we're probably missing. Calgary have had a bunch. Uh, Erie in the OHL. It's insane right now. I think Calgary, their entire team. Uh, pretty much. So no, last time I yeah. saw it was like seventeen players. Yeah, it's it, it's quite a bit. Um, and we're looking at capacity right now. Like Scotia Bank Arena is back to fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what yesterday felt like to me, and, and I think obviously we were in a very different situation uh, than this state, but it felt like March twelfth, twenty twenty, when I believe that is the day that everything kind of shut down. Yeah, shut down, and and. and I, I say that because, you know, obviously we have uh, the testing is is so much more now than it was then. The We have the vaccines and the booster shots as well. But it's the wow. It's kind of like, oh, uh, you know, that feeling when sports affects everything like it happened March 12th, 2020. The NBA yeah. shut down the, the, the NHL shut down. Um, any other league that was going on pretty much shut down the day after. And it was like, it kind of kickstarted the world into lockdowns and, and stuff like that. Obviously that did that kind of happened obviously in Ontario with some restrictions, but it just felt like a similar day because so many different players from so many different teams were being hit with, okay, this guy's on COVID protocol. This guy's on COVID protocol. I hate to say it. I hate saying this when it's, when we say it's the tip of the iceberg, in a way, right. When we've gone through this before, we've had the indications. We've shown that you know it's becoming a lot more widespread again. And every single time I see each team tweeting about what's going on with their team, they remind us. And this is like the grim part of it. They remind us that staff and players are required to be fully vaccinated, and yet we still see so many of these cases. Now, Sarah Sivian had a tweet yesterday that I think would calm people down. Like she talked about, listen, a lot of games are getting, but no one is, you know, a lot of these guys where it's like, oh, it may be a false positive, but she made the point like no one is like about to hit the hospital. Right. For those of you out there that are saying, oh my goodness, who was it? Maxime Bernier who tweeted um, people who are vaccinated and not are spreading it. Vaccines are not. Yeah. First off, second of all, vaccines or to lower your chances, amongst other things, of dying. To put it very plainly, like it, the vaccines are working right now. 
when it comes to the severity of the cases. So mm-hmm. people just need to be like, it's scary, but you know, I, the result of this also is should probably mention, cause this is also breaking news today. It sounds like, I think it's until January, a lot of the protocols involving players have been very much strengthened. Uh, yesterday, I think Pierre Lebrun originally reported that there was a call between the NHL and the doctors. I believe there's also a call with the C with the PA today that's happening. If it was like they're getting tighter, I think on the Jeff Merrick show, him and Elliot discussed, is this going back to protocols from last year? And Elliot sort of speculated that, yeah, we're going back to that intensive. Maybe it's like you can't leave your hotel at all on the road and that. You know, I remember a couple months ago, we were talking about in March, the government were going to say no more masks in Ontario. And then Omicron seems to just put this sort of wave of fear. And I think it was also confirmed that Omicron is in the mix with the NHL too. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I had figured. Um, it's kind of disappointing we're at this point again, but it's tiring. Like Not, not that I, I, I don't know how to say this. It's just exhausting because, you know, we were all supposed to go back to, well, I mean, me and you, Adam, obviously, Daniel, uh, you're graduated, but the two of us, if we had classes, we're supposed to be back in person. Um, And I I know today, a couple of the school boards in our around Toronto had said, you know, to the to the kids, you should or to the parents to take your things home on tomorrow or on Friday, um, because that's the situation we're dealing with. Um, I mean, we're in a much better spot, though, like than we were in in March uh, in 2020, because yeah, we were two we years have. ago. Yeah. So, oh I mean, gosh, almost two years. it's not devastating. It's just at least we have the tools to to fight it. The question is, <laughs> are, is there our local governments going to? do it properly i don't have a problem wearing a mask but there's a mental thing too when you step outside it's like i normally keep all my things in like on top of my jacket or in like i have a baseball cap i'll flip it upside down i'll put everything in in like right the head area the head space and you know normally i'll have like keys i'll throw my wallet in there and then it's like in my mask it it's a it's an emotional gut punch it is and uh it's I think that's the biggest thing is, and I, I, I'm just hoping that, you know, we kind of get over the fatigue of it, the fatigue of like, you know, like of those regulations that we just kind of like don't fall into it and just not be careful because I know that it is a huge strain on everything that, um, you know, from a lot of the work I've been doing right now with CGRU, we, we, I look at a lot of the schools as well that, they've gone what 10 days early on winter break simply because there's been so many cases, so many breakout cases. And it's so odd to me because what you've mentioned before, like when it is the sports world and you see that what is going on, it's, I think it's like not the hindsight of 2020, but more of what were things like in August and September when we were initially hopeful for, and you guys mentioned the school thing because it affects me as well because I'm supposed to go back into the office full-time right. on Ryerson campus. And I think another thing too, is just with sports is it added a bit of normalcy to our routine when, you know, we've gone to Raptors games, Habs games, Leafs games. 
it's just like for us and you know when we talk about on this podcast it sets that standard of okay things are not where they should be right now but we're progressing there and i i'm not saying that we're not making any progress right now it's just it just seems like it was one step back right now remember how big a deal it was when montreal lifted its curfew oh yeah <laughs> there were crowds yeah. outside the bell center that feels like a, a lifetime ago. And again, it's when I hear arena capacities being slashed, it hurts, man. It does. It's, uh, it's, it's almost sad. One of my favorite sayings is technology is two steps forward, one step back. I did not come up with that, but I heard it somewhere. I don't know where, and I like mm-hmm. using it. It feels like with COVID, it's, it's starting to be a bit more than a step back. And now it's like, okay, now we're up to booster shots. And it's like, I'm going to get a booster, obviously, but it's like you you really look at yourself in your mirror and you think, man, when's it going to end? I, I I just really another thing, and maybe this is just a pet peeve um, prior to COVID, too. I just I just wish it was reported on properly. Like there's a couple people um, or a couple publications as well. It's just like, man. And, and it's not, I'm not even picking a side. Like I think from both sides of, you know, lockdown, 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 and the other side being not lockdown, not lockdown, not lockdown, like both sides. It's like, guys, it's exhausting reading both of it. And it's like, there's a part of me as a journalism student. And I think maybe, I don't know how you guys feel about it too, but it's like, it hurts to turn on the regular news. Cause it's just like, what are we doing? Like the only news I watch genuinely is business news, and that's it. Alex is getting ready to get his real estate license, by the way. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we'll see. You know, we're gonna have so much time again. Like, why not? Just do it, Alex. You can do it. The, okay. The NHL, by the way, aren't planning a shutdown of the season. By the way, but if it happens, we do have plans to talk about some stuff. We've, um, we've, we've done it. We, we, we've done it before. We'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, we have. And then we'll, we'll look at, hopefully there's no three hour movies this time. <laughs> <laughs> Only three hour movies. And then, and then, you know, we're looking at the Olympics. Doesn't look like the players are going. Yeah. Um, and apparently they're going to, there's going to be issues filling arenas because venues We'll forget about the venues booking like themselves because apparently that's been the problem. Well, freaking, how's it going to go now? If we if if we hit a certain level, how the season the NHL might not have a choice. Like we know the Petrangelo, McDavid, um, Alex pointed out to us before that uh, Eric Carlson has said he's the he's. I, did he say for sure he's not going or he's leaning towards uh, not going? Uh, the things that are uh, things they are. Oh my god. Probably not. These Robin are, Leonard already said he's not going. Yeah, Robin Leonard. These are players that will play a hockey game with a punctured lung. Hello, Bergeron. Or you, what was it? Um, a broken. What was the the thing that um that that Parise had? A broken sternum. You know what I, I mean? I think like, so. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And 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 they're saying, I don't know, man. Where do we go? I think Ryan McDonough was another guy who was, there's no doubt in my mind I want to go, but there are so many questions unanswered. I hate to be like all gloom and doom, but it's 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 just reality, like punch yeah. after punch. And yeah, exactly. It's the hit in the face of your reality here. And, 
and I get they re- like the players really want to go, but I really think from every single standpoint of how you look at this, whether it's from a business standpoint or an emotional standpoint or from the player standpoint, I I just don't see. I, I don't know if the risk outweigh our I don't know if the reward outweighs the risk this year. I think if we go back to 2018, I say, man, the risk any year there's no pandemic, the reward always outweighs the risk in sending your guys to the Olympics because of the of growing the game. And I think it does so much. But I think this year, with how things have started to ramp up. Um, to COVID wise, plus the, the rules in that they've been given, like I get, they got the player's handbook, but at the end of the day, they're in China. They're not in Canada. They're not in the U S they make the rules. So if they're comfortable with that, that's fine. But again, I just don't see how the risk or the reward outweighs the risk in this scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just for the sake of time, would you guys mind if we just kind of forget about Robbie Fabric, sure, unfortunately? Sure. We'll talk uh, about him next time. Okay. We have Danny, uh, three years to talk about him. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I saw you put it on the talk and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, but we will make sure that we give time. Listen, it took us like a month to talk about goalie contracts in the summer. We will get to Robbie Fabry. Uh, talking about some, some fun stuff. Very quietly in 32 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman uh, threw out that the Coyotes may be gauging the market on Jacob Chikorin. Uh, apparently, Bill Armstrong has refused to comment on it, but obviously right now he makes $4.6 million, three more years. That's a decent little contract there. I like that. I would obviously. I think what was there was, there was word about it over the summer, but the, the asking price was two first round picks. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, I, I, Alex, what are the Leafs giving away? <laughs> um, Dude, Paul, they're getting Ben Chirot. What are you Brooks in a second. Um, <laughs> no, we but- acquire, we acquire um, uh, well, I, why can't Connor Brown? Yeah. And then and, it's a second in Brooks name. And Dermot. And Dermot. And Dermot. Yes. I think Dermot's part of that trade. Can I ask you a question, um, Adam? I, I was thinking about this. Yes. Because you know, that defense was such a high priority for the team after they got off. And and this is pure hypothetical because it's just a guess at what the asking price was for in the summer. Yeah. But if, if Bill Armstrong said to Mark Bergevin, okay, for Jacob Trickerin, we will take two first round picks, whether it's this year's and next year's or two of this year, right? Because they obviously, because of the offer sheet, they have two first round picks. Yeah. Would you have taken that over going out and getting Christian Dvorak? Am I ignoring hindsight? Yeah. Yeah, I do it because he's exactly what they need. But right. in hindsight, no, because Ducharm doesn't know how to play def- um, offensive defenseman. But at the time, yeah. Right. Yeah, I would. The like, way that it's going. Yeah, 100%. I know he's having a bad season, but. At what point, like we, they're last in the league. They're yeah. last in the league. Like, uh, we can chalk it up to he's playing for the Arizona Coyotes right now. Like I know we had that discussion about OEL, and we know how that turned out. He was good. He was he was good. He was the best in the league. 
And I think it was the, the fact that he was on the Arizona Coyotes for so long while they were also bad for so long that it literally affected his play. I don't know if we're at that point yet for Jacob Chikorin, though. No, he's he's too young and he's just he's too talented. He doesn't have the injuries. The body isn't there. I I will. Well, here's the thing. People are now speculating. I think Freeman does. Freeman does here as well that maybe the Oilers could look at getting him. And I'm sure that would definitely help their five on five scoring because it's almost non-existent at this point. But I wonder where that. See, here's the funny thing. If you had not, if we're talking about hindsight, well, this even right. this this was a bad decision at the time. If instead of losing that cap space to, to, to acquiring Duncan Keith, could you not have used those assets to help acquire Jacob Chickering? Let me stop you right there, Adam. Is That's too Jacob, logical. Because it may not make sense. Yes. <laughs> Number one, it makes sense. But I think you're missing something. Is Jacob, he's not, not is, gritty. Is, he, is Jacob Chickering a leader? Uh, I... Uh. <laughs> Is he, is he, will he stand up? Is he a leader, Jacob Chickering? I don't think, I think Duncan Keith is. I'm going to say it. You know what Jacob Chickering would have done? No. He (laughs) He would have done something. I don't mean to laugh about that headline. I don't because it's genuinely brutal. But the fact that it was published is laughable. The fact that, that, that Gene Principe (laughs) and Mark Spector recorded that now listen i didn't get to watch the video because it was removed but like if you see that's going out i don't know how there isn't at least one person who says hold on a minute where's where's the buffer here but no that's an all-time awful quote and um but no jacob chicker i think that makes yeah. sense it's just i wonder if it if it is if there's a team not willing to pay that price i watch him go to tampa just because oh just my gosh um watch i don't know that helps maybe the chicker and stuff helps the return on ben Chirot too what other teams cool. have like multiple picks that are good and they have the prospects like um i can get that up for you okay so who has a first round pick is um wait a minute does vegas have no they don't have a first no, round. They don't. <laughs> never mind um again tampa have both their first rounders that's hilarious. Um, do the Vancouver can no, they don't have the first this year, do they? They do. They do have they they're good. Are you kinda. the Vancouver Canucks? Are you, yeah. do you suggest that the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> trade another pick? Correct. They do. just lost the ninth overall pick. They yeah. cannot go through that again. All in it's Jim Rutherford, all in it's maybe. two, but it's two first round picks, right? Assuming that yeah. that's the still the price. It it's it could look like an Ottawa situation again. Um, the Leafs is Timothy Lilligren considered a first round pick still? No, he's no, a, no he's a the, player. The, I I don't think it really makes sense for the Leafs to go he, out and it's, get him. It's basically Morgan Riley, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, man. Like that's why when you when was it Friedman who said Edmonton, or were you just saying Edmonton? I think he mentioned them in the article. Yeah, they I just, just I, yeah. I I don't know if that's the that's the guy they should go out and get. Like, if you go look, I understand they're not scoring five on five, 
but they're also letting in goals, correct? Like, I, I don't uh, know. Oh, uh, we're going to look at their scores because I don't think goaltending is the – it will be the problem, no, but I'm, I'm going to defend their goaltending. No, no, uh, not goal – their defense. Their defense. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's bad. Right, CC like, is, a, is a minus. Derek Ryan's hmm. like a minus 12. It's awful. Who, who would have guessed Cody Cece doesn't look good? Um, St. Louis. I don't know. Try and move out Marco <laughs> Scandella. Why did they trade John Gillies? I understand that for future considerations. Yeah, I get that Bennington is back, but players are dropping like flies to COVID protocol. Why would you trade a goalie? They also signed him. Billy Husa was out, right? They also signed him a week ago, by the way. That doesn't make sense. And to your point, Daniel, I had no idea what was up with Billy Husa, period, at all. Kind of they did to John Gillies, though. That guy is a U.S. World Junior legend. Um, He is. I agree. Um, but those are just some of the teams. All right, moving on. Oh, yeah. Well, we can stay on the Edmonton route because oh, I have sure. their hockey reference up here. They've been no bueno. Oh, no, no. Guess how no. many players the Edmonton Oilers have on their team that have scored more than five even strength goals? Two. Four. It's four. Oh, wow. Oh, I guess that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Pull you Harvey. <laughs> Dry Silo and McDavid. <laughs> Bouchard Yamamoto at four, three for Nugent Hopkins, Cassie, and McLeod. Everyone else is at one or zero. Um, they're oh my god, they're they've lost six in a row. By the way, last yeah, no, night, they're they're bad. They were they not leading the Pacific at a point? They were, they, yeah, they were, the first three weeks them. of the se- three four weeks of the season. Now they got three games in hand over. Uh, Anaheim, but they're second in the wild card. Yeah. Remember, when we thought this was going to be different. Well, I think Alex is always pretty like skeptical on them, but I was I thought they were going to be. I mean, Zach Hyman's injured, so scoring. yeah. But like, for example, I, let's look at this this losing streak. Right, yeah. the fun game against Seattle, you couldn't do it. One goal against the Kings, one goal against Minnesota, two versus the Oilers, one versus Carolina, and one versus Toronto. Um, that's not good. No, it's not. And and to that point, Daniel, you made about Hyman. I I know he's injured, and I made the same argument about, about the Leafs losing Marner. If losing Zach Hyman is the reason that your team uh, collapses, I, I think we're having we should be having deeper discussions about the Edmonton Oilers. If it but like, was you're right. McKin- if it was McDavid or Dryside, like you'd be like, yeah, but like, so a Jersey was thrown on the ice. First off, let's look at the we'll markets that's happening. Toronto were off to an awful start. Fair enough. Um, who am I forgetting? Vancouver were abysmal happened to them. The Habs who are second last in the league. Listen, I tweeted this at you, Alex, but imagine how bad a fan base must be feeling that you have the two leading scorers in the league and you still threw it. First off, during play, during yeah. play, you throw that's dangerous. So we talked about that with Patrick and yes, we did, you know, like we, we, we don't like it, but they understand where it's coming from the fan base. But for me, this was worse because this was in play. Yeah. It was not at a stoppage. It, yeah. Go ahead, is, no, it's just 
and I, I would, I said, I think I said this on about Toronto too. Are you not embarrassed about like your team? I, I understand they're having a bad stretch, but I feel like we're people like Montreal and Vancouver. I genuinely felt that they like, that's fine. You know what they're going through. It's horrible. Their, their GM doesn't know what they're doing. Dominic Ducharme and Travis Green have lost the room. It, it, it's just a mess. But I look at Toronto and Edmonton and I say, aren't you embarrassed? Like, this is these are good teams. Like, they have why, a winning record still. Yeah, like, it, it's not the end of the world. I, I think, and I, and listen, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Throw a jersey on the ice. Don't. But I, I, I feel like we're getting to a point, maybe in Canada, we're using that as like the first thing to do. And it's like, do you not realize that the owners have already made the money off of you? Like it's not if for a market like Edmonton, for a market like Toronto, for a market like Montreal, for Vancouver, they made their money off of you. If you don't want to come back, someone will fill your seat. I pro- I guarantee it. I guarantee someone will fill that seat. I think it's. Have- Go ahead, Daniel. Sorry. It's just more of, and you know, we, it's, it's kind of an excuse we say a lot as journalism students, is that it'll get the social media hype into it. It'll get the attention. It'll get people like us talking about it. It'll get articles about it. And I think that that's something that it's. It used to be something as a form of, for me personally, like watching hockey for a while, it used to be a big statement thing, but now it's more of just like what Alex is saying. It's just, it's becoming just, let's just do it to do it. I think that's the worst thing that you want is just like a point where fans and the game is at, I don't like this offside. I'm going to throw my jersey on you. Like, what are you thinking? How has that ever happened in Pittsburgh when they've had Sidney Crosby for 16 years? Or lockouts and that, but you know what I mean? Did you really need to do that? Like Albertans. Now they're copying the now they're copying the Eastern people as always. Going further west Woo! right now, Winnipeg two weeks ago and now um, Edmonton okay. this week. Okay, so oh, yeah. of the Canadian teams who have not thrown a jersey on the ice, Calgary, yes. I think that's not gonna happen. So Winnipeg, who are not great right now. Yeah. Ottawa. Who are not great right now. I think they, people don't care as much. That's why. In so, Ottawa? Yeah. <laughs> well, they can't get to the games, Daniel. Anyway, <laughs> where, where does it happen next if it had to happen between Ottawa and Winnipeg? Um, Gavin tweeted that it's brewing. Uh, he, replied, that. he replied to my tweet. So I'd have to, I'm going to go with uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Me too, because I like that, uh, that uh, on field. Um, that on-field source right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, we're, we're almost there, guys. Like, I didn't think it could happen. We're, we're four, for, four for seven. Yeah, I saw Julian McKenzie tweet about that. I'm like, Alex was there first. I was there first. Um, a quick note, a very, very quick one, but I wanted to read this tweet from Rick Westhead from yesterday. Lawyers for the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach will meet via video conference on Wednesday to discuss settlement. Both sides have presented a mediator with their positions. Talks are non-binding. Rocky and Danny Wartz expected to participate through, uh, sorry, though they won't be in the same Zoom call uh, room as Kyle. Um Apparently, like the Blackhawks, I think we talked about it. They're also trying to get the case dismissed still. Um, 
We said that we were going to keep mentioning it. There's not a ton, but people keep your eye on that and follow Request Head. Yeah. Because he's he's doing his work. Um, quickly, uh, going to Toronto here. Okay, 50 goals for Austin Ma- 55 goals, Austin Matthews. Over under. Uh, let me, yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Go first. Um, he's going to do it. I say he does it. Is it over 55 or under 55? I'm going to say 57. He's going to get 57. Fair enough. Yeah. Alex? He is, so right now he has 20 goals in 27 games. Not bad. I, I think he can do it. Barring COVID shutdown. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Uh, um, I, I think he can do 55. I'll say over. I'll also say over because it'd be really cool to see. Keep your eyes out because Ovechkin's playing tonight. Two people. Yeah. So let's see some goals. Oh my goodness. I, I Again, think, when we yeah. when we talk about Ovechkin, like I just don't that's why I don't want the season to end. Yeah. Prematurely. Yeah. Cause you just want Ovi to keep scoring. I see all these I I get so annoyed when I go on Twitter and I see everyone like, oh Ovechkin's gonna do it. And I'm like, I have been beating this drum for years, and all you people are hopping on the bad wagon, and I, I hate it, you freaking bunch of People trying to be like, ah, yeah. A bunch of jerks. Adam knew since 2004. I have, yeah, sure. I just moved to the country and I was like, as a child, I was like, Ovi, yeah. I had the scouting report and everything. I was actually part of the Panthers brass that tried to draft him four times before they were eligible to. (laughs) True story. That's That's, one of the best stories either. Um, Okay. Who was that name? I'm so embarrassed that we're going to talk about a segment for the Leafs and I don't know who in the world was in the lineup. He was oh, at fourth line center. What was his name? Brett Senny. Brett yeah. Senny. Brett Senny. Who in the world is Brett Senny and Senny? And is he a real person? He was on the Devils last year. Yeah, he. You know what he's like. He's like the fringe NHL or NHLer that the Leafs signed in the summer. Like that. That's guy. He's nothing uh, grandiose. I can't imagine him. Um, sixth round pick in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. I thought he was a joke. Like, not no, him as a person. Sure he's a lovely he's man, but I was just, I saw it. I'm like, huh? Is there like a college student filling in? For, oh, he it- was a college student. I think he did four years of NCAA. Uh, can can I, I just say, like, I, I, I didn't get to catch the entire game last night, but I want you, I want to read you this line and how yeah. dirty, dirty it is. Like I've never seen in my time as a Leafs fan, I don't think I've seen something like this in quite okay. some time. So down the center, it's Brett Senny at the moment, but it would be Jason Spezza uh, barring the, whatever, if he's not suspended, injured, et cetera. On his left is Kyle Clifford. On his right is freaking Wayne Simmons. What kind of line is that? That would be Gretzky's line mates 20 years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. That is such a dirty line, and it's kind of hilarious. It's like we're protecting him. Brett Senny. <laughs> Why? I, I just I, I think it's kind of funny because it's the complete opposite of what everyone thinks the Leafs identity is, which is skill, skill, skill. But I feel like Keith is doing this in a way to kind of prepare the team because I wouldn't be surprised if in the playoffs that the fourth line is Kyle Clifford, Jason Spezza, and Wayne Simmons. Well, I'd have to say, I do want to say, 
if they were healthy, I don't think Clifford is anywhere near them, to be fair. But well, okay, Simmons so who's, who's out right now? Give me one McKayf, second. The more thing McKayf, played, McKayf played last night. Did so, he? Yeah, McKayf played yeah. last night on the third line with Camp and Engvall. So, um, it's just board, Mitch Marner, by the way. Mitch Marner is the only forward that is out. What oh, and Cal I Clifford miss? still played? Yeah, yes. what the heck? Yes, yes. But I, Not Alex Steves? No, they said, well, they sent Alex Steves oh. down because Who? he doesn't play center. And they wanted they needed someone to play center, so they okay. So team. it's it's Marner and Spezza that keeps Clifford out the. I feel like what happened at training camp? Who? What happened? Well, okay, well like, they they lost they, Brooks. They lost Michael Amadio. Yeah. So both those guys they, are gone. The guy um, they just traded to. Yeah. The big dude from LA. What was his name? It doesn't matter. He's that. Oh, um, Curtis Gabriel. Curtis yes. Gabriel. To, they sent him to Chicago. Plus, Kirill Semyonov went back to Russia because he was playing in the AHL. I, I like to say that I found that really crazy where they had so many tweets like two weeks ago, like congratulations on your NHL debut. Yeah. And then like last yeah. week, it's like we are in the process of terminating his contract. Remember uh, how before the season I made that joke of, so the Leafs are going to sign a bunch of guys. One will make did. it. One will get traded. One will get waived and claimed. And now Adam Brooks is in Vegas. Yeah. And Michael Amadio. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, yeah, they both end up at the same place. Yeah. And and, and just to finish my list, Nick Robertson yeah. is injured. Oh, yeah. So this is where all that's why the lineup is the way it is. That's why Kyle Clifford's around because that, that they've had that much turnover, eh? That's, That's why they're gonna check in on Rodin Amirov's loan right now with uh Kazan. Yeah, he's not playing, and it's, it's so it's, typical. Uh, yeah, and then when he can, does, it's six sorry, minutes because can, of Russia. We uh we I, I know a bunch of um camps have released their real junior roster and i know it's the big topic in russia that a guy i think it was yan kuznetsov who plays in north america for the flames didn't make um didn't sorry didn't make the roster um are we sure artemi panarin is going to make this roster if they go would he want to that's a good point would he want to um, sorry, br- fully breaking news here. I saw the tweet. That's why I got distracted. Uh, this okay. is from Mark Lazarus. Uh, the Blackhawks have settled with Kyle Beach. Would you like to hear the statement? Really? Uh, as okay. we we did talk about it. Oh, uh, can you screen share it, please? Oh my God! Yeah, okay. Yeah, one second. Give me. Uh, Very one okay. I'll pull okay. it up on this computer. Wow. Wow, yeah, I'm no, actually. That, I'm that's sure. why I. That's kind of why I. I that is extremely. The Habs can wait, man. I don't care. Okay. Wow. Gee. I will start sharing my screen here. Uh, can you see my screen? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, you have so many tabs open. Typically. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm busy. Okay. Uh, wow. The so I'll read it. This is from yeah. Rocky Wirtz, Danny Wirtz, and Susan Loggins. Uh, Lo- Logan's uh, counsel to Kyle Beach. Uh, the parties are pleased to announce that today's mediation resulted in a confidential settlement between the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. The Blackhawks hope that this resolution will bring some measure of peace and clo- closure for Mr. Beach. As for the Blackhawks organization, we remain steadfast in our commitment to ensure that going forward, this team will be a beacon for professionalism, respect, and integrity in our community. 
We remain grateful for the trust and support of the Blackhawks community, and we promise to continue working every day to earn and maintain that trust. Wow. Wow. I would have liked, I know they said it initially when they first did their press conference and they fired everyone. Maybe I'm nitpicking. Statement was fine. You could have said, again, we'd like to apologize to Kyle. I'm, I hope that, like, listen, um, I'm, it's pure speculation. I'm no psychologist or anything, but um, this, Kyle Beach is never going to forget, and he'll be changed, or I bet he's been changed forever by what happened to him. Um, I don't want to give kudos to the Blackhawks for resolving this because I don't think they deserve any credit for anything, but um, it's not so much happiness to see that it, there was a settlement reached, but more of a, Relief. I don't know how to describe it. Relief, yeah, I think is the closest thing to describe the feeling. But... Like a, yeah, it's like a conditional relief, right? Yeah. It just, okay, good, something was resolved, but there's just, there's just too much around I... it to say that, okay, we, we forgive the Blackhawks or we absolve them of anything. It just, it's, it's going to be lingering there. I wonder if there's something to do with the because obviously Rick pointed out in that tweet I read that they were going to that the the Warts were going to be present. I wonder if there was any pressure from the league. It's like, listen, this is happening around the time of the Board of Governors. Get this resolved, or if they themselves thought, okay, we need to listen. We're going to lose a lot of not PR, but like any sort of respectability if we don't get this done. Right, but. Yeah. One thing I will add, um, just because I, I didn't necessarily see anything wrong with the statement, yeah. but um, now that that statement is out, and I said, and we had this discussion about the Canadians um, after Jeff Molson um, was talking about the diversity and, and, and stuff like that. They've now said that they want to be a beacon of professionalism and, and so on and so on. It is now up to the media and their fans to make sure that they commit to that. Again, we said it how many times? Receipts. If you say something, do it. Just because you say something does not absolve you from the fact of what actually happened uh, 10 or 11 years ago now. Do it. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. Accountability in that. Chicago. It's it's time to show it. And again, to Kyle Beach, freaking hope your life can be as good as possible. Also, people do not forget about John Doe too. You're right. Yeah, That's hundred percent. And still, shame on the leak. And if the Blackhawks have been quiet on this, because I'm sure they're going to be regarding that, they'll be quiet. But if they don't step in to help John Doe too and his family, or yeah, I think it, it was covered. It was a, it was a male, but. Um, you want to show that you're committed to being an example, help that family out. Or if they don't want your help in particular, still offer it. You know, that's, that's something else to keep in mind is you have ample uh, opportunity to do it. And yeah. yeah. And money's not going to be a concern for you. You're the Blackhawks. You give Seth Jones a lot of money. Maybe you can put some of that towards the kid. It's your fault. It happened. So anyway, um, you know what though? Like it's again. You know, I'm I'm happy we 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 caught that. I'm happy we caught that. Um, it feels weird to end the show with Montreal after that. But um, did you guys see what Stefan Waite was saying in the media? 
So I saw some snippets. I I did not. I saw it going around. Um, mm-hmm. I you know what? Can we? I think we should start a petition or something. There's a lot of stuff that happens in French media that does not end up uh, in in English media, and I'd really like to, for that to happen. Like I think it was like the Antoine Roussel stuff. Uh, yeah. And, uh, about Jonathan Taze, and uh, there was something else that happened with Montreal. I don't remember what a, it is off the top of my head. It just didn't come to English yeah. media. So from now on, let's do that. I've always wanted to. That's been like a little career dream of mine. Like uh, like grand scheme you're, of things. I'd like to be. Yeah, you're going to be the middle man. Like, I'd like <laughs> right? to do that. Yeah. You'll be the middle it's a little man. thing with me. Yeah, it's, it's a little like dream of mine. Um, So Stefan Waite, for those of you who do not know, Stefan Waite uh, is the former goalie coach of Montreal and funny enough, the Blackhawks. And I think he was actually there for the Coyote Beach stuff. I could be wrong, but I think he was. Anyway, uh, he was just talking to French media, and he was—he made this joke saying that in the you know with the staff, we would joke that Jonathan Drouin didn't have. Sorry, he had a clause in his contract not to score. Let I. I can't stand the crap that Jonathan Druin gets. So last night against Pittsburgh, Montreal lost, awful game. But I just wanted to shout out that Jonathan Druin, a great goal, a great assist. Um, he assisted on Jesse Alonen's first career goal, and he was the one who went and got the puck. So I just wanted to be like, Druin, shut him up. The guy is is bitter about being fired, clearly. I don't blame him. He shouldn't have been fired. But remember, he was the one who also went and leaked that Bergevin told him that, you know, if my job was that Bergman was saying to Stefan Wade after he was fired that if Carey Price wasn't playing better, that was going to be it for Bergevin. Because the thing with Stefan Wade is, listen, you may not like what you're being told in an exit meeting, but there's a certain level of confidentiality and like respect that goes with it, right? I don't like Mark Bergevin for multiple reasons, but that guy has a well, sorry, not well-earned, Absolutely not after the Mayu stuff. But he has a good reputation in the league, right? So all of a sudden, Stefan Waite, the more he talks, the more he damages his chance of getting another job. Stefan Waite damages his own yes, chance, yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to leak a conversation with your boss when you got fired, you're going to talk smack about a player who had to take time away from the team. Not to mention, imagine if you're Carrie. Per- okay. So the two incidents of note, make, make, making fun of Jonathan Druin, okay, <laughs> and putting more pressure on Carey Price without knowing it last season. Two players who have had to step away from the team for different reasons. Just, obviously, he said one thing, sorry, he said the price up before we knew what was up with Carey Price, that was before the playoffs. But I just, I think Stefan Waite needs to step back and realize that he's, he's just not being professional. And I... I don't want, I, I just, at this point, I wouldn't hire him. It, you know what it seems like? It seems like, like, God, like gossip. Like, that's what it seems like. Yes. To me. Like, yes. you know, I, I, and I don't mean to pick on them, but this is like, there's a lot of gossip that goes on overseas, right? In terms of soccer, just because it's so big that it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I know it. it's just like, it's so gossipy, man. Like, why you got to say it? Like, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to come out. Mark Bergevin is gone. The players did not get you fired. He fired you. I get it. I get you're pissed off at Mark Bergevin, but Mark Bergevin is no longer, if it truly was him who fired you, 
is no longer part of the organization. Even if it wasn't, even if it was like Jeff Molson made the decision that Stefan Waite should be fired, that doesn't that doesn't mean you do that. Like it just looks unprofessional. At the end of the day, you have to remember that for years, Carey Price's regular season performance wasn't good enough. Right. You're the goalie coach. It wasn't great for you, dude, unfortunately. And isn't it hilarious? Now, obviously, that playoff, um, the, the bubble, Stefan Waite was around and Carey turned it on. But is it not funny? Sean Burke comes in. And, and, and obviously, I have my issues with Sean Burke. I don't think he should be a part of the team either with his history. But And then they, they go to the cup final and Carey plays some of the best talk he's ever played without Stefan Waite. I'm just saying, you That's know, I just just step on weight. I can't stand it. Um, last thing with Montreal, Jeff Petrie came back to the lineup last. I see quickly, Dvorak is now out indefinitely. Joss Anderson, the initial injury we thought was two to four weeks, is now eight weeks, referring to like December 2nd, I think was the initial. So he's gone for a while because injuries, it's, it's awful. So awful. Um, but the big... Headline was not just Jeff Petrie coming into the lineup because after the game, he said, you watch it. Sorry. uh, Says watching games while he was injured. Didn't give him any clarity on what's wrong with this team. Quote, you watch it up top. And there are times you're scratching your head. We're not making it easy on anyone. Most of the time. Uh, Sorry. Most of the time, the other team. And he also said there's no structure here here's the other quote it's the same thing over and over we're not playing as a team we're not playing as a group it's like you're searching to find uh where people are it seems like there's no structure at all um by the way after last night's game dominic ducharme said the score didn't reflect the game and he thought they played well i must have watched a different game um because they were awful again and dom ducharme also said that he spoke with petrie um, and apparently they, they, they talked to the group and they settled it out. Okay, two things I'm going to say on this yeah, before yeah. I throw it over to you guys. Okay. Uh, first off, yeah, Jeff, I agree. Second off, I, a little joke. I'm looking for guys. Caulfield's open on the power play. Can you pass to him more often, please? Right. Um, anyway, um, even though that's Sherrod's spot now, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, that and Petrie, I get it, dude. Score goal, but he's absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like it's everything I've been yelling about for months now. So there's a couple things. This I, when I saw that tweet uh, from Arpin Basu with the quote, I I'm like, it, it caught me off guard because number one, that um, that when he goes, we're not playing as a team, we're not playing as a group. I think we've had countless discussions over the 200 episodes that we've recorded that that's their identity playing as a team and playing as a group is their identity. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And number two, because of that quote, how on earth does Dominic Ducharme have a job? Because if their identity was that, and they're not currently living up to it, then either you've lost the room, which means you should be fired yeah. or you try to change things up. And it's not working. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. And and I think it's both. They've lost like eight straight games. Like if, if you think about it, right? Um, first off, like I, I don't know if Petrie meant to do this, but like I haven't listened to like the SCP, for example, but because it came out I think a couple hours ago. So I was looking yeah, at yeah. the description, see what they talked about. 
And I just see one of the topics, Jeff Petrie calls out the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm like, oh, no. I don't know if Jeff Merrick has talked about it, but all of a sudden, and maybe it's because the Oilers game sort of overshadows it because they're in Toronto, but I can imagine that in, in French media in Quebec right now. Jeff Petrie, whether he meant to or not, and listen, I didn't like when people called on Eric Carlson on the Sharks, but... And I agree with everything. Petrie is saying stuff I've been saying on the show for a while. Right. One problem is Jeff Petrie has just sort of lit a beacon. And I, I think his I, – I, I, re- I sound like such a craggly old man saying this. I hate that I am. But it sounds so 90s to say. But he's just caused a massive distraction in the room because he's, he's projected this thing of them not being together. But the thing is, it's true. <laughs> It's just confirmed for us now from a trusted source. I don't think that's that's controversial, though, because I was thinking I was thinking the exact same thing because it's Jeff Petrie. Remember, they don't have to know anymore. Price is not. Well, he's with the team, but he's not with the team. He's recovering. He's And you've lost Shea Weber, who's made appearances here or there, but you've lost Shea Weber. Yeah. So Jeff Petrie and Brendan Gallagher are the guys in that room. For Jeff Petrie to come out and say that, it really caught me off guard. Yeah. Like, I I just, I don't know if he should have said that, if I'm being honest. I I think you're right. If it gets Dom fired, then it's like, okay, out of boy, Jeff. But like, Jeff Petrie has to realize, like, he has not, I, I hate ragging on players. You know, I guys, I don't like doing it, but Jeff Petrie's in the first year of a new contract. He has zero goals. Right. And it's, it, it goes past this season. He hasn't scored in a long time. And it's December 15th. He yeah. he remember when Will made that joke? He's like, it was about Cockham. He's like, Oh, you might get this point, or here's the season, you have three goals in December. What's wrong? Jeff Petrie has two points, I'm pretty sure. I think it's two assists. Like they're and again, Petrie's a leader. So I think the the problem that kind of happens there, and again, I'm not disagreeing with him. And I, I like players speaking their minds, but it's what now it does to like Jeff Gordon and that is they have to make a change because one of your leaders the right. guy that when Shane Weber has been out has been the guy to step up and lead your defense has basically said, yeah, we're, we're like playing minesweeper on the ice right now. It's like, yeah, we, you know, God, we make this play out when there's a goal against instead of a bomb or something. It's, it's, it is a bit of a cliche. It's a bad situation. Right. You, don't, I, you do not love to see it. I don't mean to make it about the Leafs. It's just two examples that popped up in my head in, in similar manner. You go back to look. We watched the Amazon documentary together, or Adam and I did. Um, I watched it. No, no, but we Adam and I literally. Oh, watched okay, it together, yes. Like, literally. Have you watched yeah. Star Wars Clone Wars? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a for a different episode. For when we go back into lockdown. Um, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but we saw Austin Matthews say something to the media. And Sheldon Keefe was not a fan of that. So I wonder what went on behind the scenes. You brought up Ducharme. Um, talking. I wonder what happened there. But the example I was thinking of years ago, when Garrett Sparks was a Maple Leaf, they had a they had a bad game, and he came out and said, "You know, we didn't do a good job." And it's like, yeah. First off, like Garrett Sparks should not be saying that. But yeah, I just think sometimes when when your team is not doing well, 
it's not necessarily the best time to say that out loud. When the Leafs have a bad game against, let's say, LA, they lose 5-1. Okay, you know, we had a bad game. That's fine. But to say that when you've lost, Adam, how many games did you say they lost in a row? I think it's up to seven. <laughs> it's six or seven. I'm just put one. Second. Again, they have six wins in December. Exactly. Like they, they are currently last in the in the Atlantic. They're six twenty one and three. <laughs> so Their bad. points That's percentage. A- I'm pretty sure they're last by points percentage in the league. Uh, Arizona. Also, Ar- Arizona's last. Still okay, yeah. and not to mention probably the worst team the Habs ever iced. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I just think it's not fair on. It's not fair on the players to come out and say that. Like, it's like you literally, you're right. You put a beacon on top of this team and French media and English media are going to swarm you like bees. It was the most interesting thing about last night's game. (laughs) It's just like, it's like if you were performing, I'd give Petrie more credit. But dude, you have been, he was awful again last night. Adam, we and I said he should have been a Norris Trophy like guy last year. <laughs> okay, you know. We haven't even talked about the game. All we've talked about is Jeff Petrie saying this. I mean, you know what's funny about the game is th- this one power play had uh, they they've started using Caulfield, Hoffman, Suzuki, I think Paling and Sherratt on the power play. It looked good. And they were passing it to Cole and they were getting chances, but it's just everything else sucked. They're showcasing Ben Sherratt. That's, the only took, that's, that's what they need to do. 30 it minutes t- a game. It took Anderson, Dvorak, Gallagher, and everyone for Cole to finally get some looks on the power play. And it it worked around him and and Hoff, like Hoffman like made this really neat play where he like faked it out, like faked out the shot and sent it to Cole. And chance it was it was so cool to see. And I'm like, this is what I want. They had so much zone time. And then the second unit's out there, and you're like, why is Laurent Dafat playing? Because they're just oh, they're so beat up, but yeah, it's because they gave up a lot to get him. They have to use him. <laughs> no, Dauphin. Yeah, they gave up a lot. Who did they give up? A first round pick. No, that's uh, Dvorak. No, no, no. No, they gave a first round pick. <laughs> I for know Laurent who Dauphin. they gave up for Laurent Dauphin. You're gonna have to think about it. Laurent Dauphin. Who did they give up to to get him? It was like it was an AHL trade, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. it was a first-round pick. Was it? It wasn't Reichel or no, it wasn't Valiev. Was Kulak? Who? We, we, Just think of size. We've talked about him so much. McCarran? Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah, from Nashville. That was the. I thought he was another because they've made a few AHL trades that have been mm-hmm. okay, anyway. So essentially, it was a first-round pick. Okay, you. I was kind of like, does he think Dvorak was okay? On that note, and then what's the rest of the game? Yeah, they sucked and they couldn't. Like there was a, they can't. The the second unit was quarterbacked by Peacher, right? And you're just like, okay, is he gonna break it out? Is he gonna start the zone next? And it goes the other way. Is he gonna do a drop pass here? And there it is. Oh, and then here come the Penguins the other way, and you're like, okay, cool. Like I was laughing at it. It's just like every time I watch, I'm like. And they just released free for all for Halo Infinite. I could be playing that right now. I need to win three more ranked arena matches for my weekly challenge. I could be doing that. Yes, yeah. Out. We believe. 
I could start working on my legendary campaign walkthrough. But no. Okay. That's it. All right. Again, Laura, thanks for coming on. Thank Appreciate you, Laura. It. Um, and I don't know remember, why I say it like she's here, but you know. Um, thanks, Laura. Like Laura, isn't it? That's Laura. 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 Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Happy week. 200, guys. Oh, we, yeah. yeah, no, hope we didn't mention we, 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 we mentioned it subtly, but we uh, we didn't actually say it. Yeah, I, I didn't remember. Did we say it on the show or did we say it before we started with Laura? I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, no. 200 episode. Yeah, Even though so. it's like 200 and like. Yeah, but it's 200 hockey. Official episodes, yes. we'll call them. Yeah. We oh, man. Branch off. Yeah, this was the canon one. Like, that's the other one's the uh, side quests. The other one, so. the other ones were Dragon Ball GT. <laughs> Which this we might the- have to go back to. Um, and I don't mind. I don't mind, you know. I tune in for you guys. We'll get it. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it when we get there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Check out the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Check it out for YouTube for a video portion, as well as Spotify, I've learned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> on Spotify video. Uh, Joe Rogan. We're not the same deal yet. No, we're not the but same. We're, but we're not. We're working there. We're working, we're working towards it. We're working towards it, yeah. If, um, if, but if we got there. 200 million, I would take my cut and just run away to, like, Monaco. It would just be pay off my OSAP. It would just be, yeah. <laughs> it would just be da- <laughs> it would just be Daniel and I. Daniel and never uh the host the lone thing is never truer words have never been spoken, my friend. Oh. Um next episode we don't know yet. We're gonna figure this out right now. We might be reviewing the new Spider-Man movie. We'll see. Um yeah, that's we don't right. Know about sports. Um yeah, Daniel, CGRU, Alex blog, my YouTube channel. Check out Lara's stuff as well. We'll link Alex will link it because he's hardworking and actually does the stuff for the show that needs to get done. Instead of just putting stuff on a Google Doc like I do. Or actually Stop. managing the social media side like Daniel does. Stop. And with that, we'll see you Sunday? Or yeah. did we figure Sunday. Yeah, we'll Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday fun day. Goodbye.